science and technology. Hello and welcome to episode 44 of the Tech Garage. I'm Zach Teamy. And I'm Matt Bond. And today we have a special uh, December 26th episode for everybody. Uh, we figured we'd talk a little bit about some of the toys and cool stuff we got over Christmas, uh, some of the things we helped our nieces, nephews, and or children with, and then maybe talk data sovereignty. Yeah, and I got, uh, real quick, two, so, some things from our last episode, which was the uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens. I had two topics that I forgot to mention uh, that I wanted to bring up in there. Um, you want to go over those real quick? Are you curious to know what the... Yeah, yeah. Let's, Actually, let's, I think uh, I, I, the I texted things, him to you. Yeah, you texted... I remember the, one of them. There, there are two things. The first one is a little bit l- uh, less interesting. Did you notice, though, and, and it, it came in a little bit, Finn is a sweaty motherfucker. Did you notice that at all when watching the movie? Well, I, I think that was... Uh, I don't know that the actor himself has a glandular problem. I think, I think that they was were just spraying a, him. Uh, spray I, I think, yeah, yeah. But... It, it made sense when, like, he first lands on the on the desert planet in his stormtrooper outfit, and he's all oh, hot spoilers, shit. spoilers, um, spoilers. I'm pretty sure that that was in just in the previews. Oh, right, <laughs> yeah. right, right. Uh, but there's subsequent scenes where he's on the space station without his helmet on, and you're like, oh, he's, he's still sweaty. Like, it seems like this place should be air conditioned or something. And I think like, that was meant to evoke the he's really having like a problem uh, with what's going on. He's got he's, he's going through some stress of, yeah, of dealing think, with think, his issues and whatnot. Yeah, I, I know, think, but he was really sweaty a lot. But some people get sweaty when the they get stressed. The whole first half of that movie, the dude's leaking water out of his face. I mean, again, I think it was sprayed on, but so still. Like, the first, like he did spend a lot of time on Jakku, not Tatooine. Yeah, yeah, he was on Jakku a lot, but I don't I know. Think I, he was running. You didn't and, think like, he was? Walking. He didn't notice at all that he was like overly sweaty a lot of the. And now, granted, those stormtrooper outfits probably make you sweat a lot because they, like, br- they don't look like they breathe real well. Uh, and, and I mean, it looked like he had a tactical turtleneck on. Yeah, yeah. and uh, then plastic over that. Yeah. So again, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah I, I think that turtleneck's made out of sweating. neoprene. Probably. It's not, yeah, that, that would definitely not, not work for me. Not very cool, especially but. in a desert planet. That's just that's just shitty. Yeah, it'd be hot as hell. That's but. probably why they like attack the city at night. Probably. We're not going down there in the fucking beaten ass sun. That's hot. You see these uniforms? These are hot. The other one that I thought was more funny, and again, this doesn't this isn't really spoiler. Uh, when they flew the Millennium Falcon around, they being um, people, I don't want to spoil anything. Um, but but they being people who maybe flew the Millennium Falcon for the first time ever, uh, they mm-hmm. may have ran it into some shit a few like times. The entire planet, the whole planet, buildings. some trees. You know, crash down star destroyers, whatever. Uh, yeah, like little things. Yeah, yeah. They just they're flying around. They they're running into some shit. Uh, it didn't really seem to affect the Millennium Falcon at all. I think like the chassis of the Millennium Falcon is made out of adamantium or something. Basically everything except the um, radar dish. Yeah, there was definitely yeah, the radar dish, which will just he take it. <laughs> the, the radar pick. dish, you just breathe heavily on it. It fucking flies yeah. off into nowhere's yeah. land. Um, there were definitely some spots where I'm watching it. And I'm like, wow, they just crashed the. Mil- oh no, it's fine. How how is it fine? They just, you don't just bounce that shit off of a planet and keep going. Well, maybe it doesn't come with a fully destructible environment. Uh maybe, maybe, you know, they, maybe they're just like you know, hey, we don't really want to have to try and remember scene to scene what was busted in the morning. Right, so let's just let's just leave it together. Yeah, like it it, it had shields. Yeah, the shields fine. Shields. It was the shields were taking all of that damage. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know they they do that. The shields. Right. 
Did, did and then you, they run out of power. The shields are down. Shields are always down when you're watching sci-fi movies. Yeah, that's the thing that I find odd about sci-fi movies in particular is like, uh, everybody has these magic shields, but they seem to be basically useless because anytime you get in a fight, they fucking disappear. Right. Oh, the shields got hit by, uh, what was that? A dust Neutrinos? <laughs> like, we, somebody accidentally flipped the switch on them? Yep. Oh, like, and it's down. What, why is it down? Doesn't it just take more power? Like, doesn't... Wouldn't the power? Wouldn't they just keep going? You'd think. Well, like it seems like to me that like whatever magic shields work off of some sort of magnetosphere or something requires energy to power them. If something makes it through the shield because it had too much power, fine, it made it through the shield. The shield should still be up and consuming power though. The next thing would just hit it and go like, oh well, the shit. They still got shields. You'd expect. I yeah. Mean, but like, well, anytime you look at this is actually another thing that kind of jumped out at me in the Force Awakens. I don't know how gravity works in their um, spaceships, but they seem to always have gravity. Yeah, they, they do seem to have the ability to generate gravity. Right, which is fine, and I get that. But it feels like the, there were scenes where you're watching BB-8 and assorted other people get thrown around inside the Millennium Falcon. Hmm. Yeah, it yeah. seems like if you can control gravity you and you're be getting able to... bludgeoned by shit from the outside of your ship, you should be able to like regulate your inside gravity well, so that people aren't Apparently they can regulate gravity. They can't regulate inertia. Uh, Although you... that seems like if you can't regulate inertia when you make that jump to light speed, yeah, people are getting thrown in the back of the seat pretty hard. Right. Like, uh, uh, yeah. Feels like one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like when you're watching, um, uh, what is it, Battlestar? And you're wa- or actually Firefly, I think. You're watching Firefly space scenes, and there's no sound. Oh, yeah. Because, which, you know, you're in space, and you're not going to hear shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which is more accurate. Yeah. yeah. It makes you feel good. You're like, oh, hey, they're paying attention here. Yeah. I don't think that the Star Wars universe has ever really paid really close attention to actual physics as much as to, this is fun. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree. They, they don't worry about that. Okay. Um, so, what do you think an actual explosion in space would actually look like? Like, if you took, uh, you know, let's just say, you know, a bunch of fertilizer and diesel, threw it up and made a big bomb in space, would there actually be fire explosion bomb? Or would the the vacuum of space suck it down so fast that it would sort of explode the way? Like, just think about what fire is. It's functionally... Oxidation. Yeah, yeah. So, I, well, so, so you need oxygen, right? You need some kind of chemical accelerant. I mean, you can burn chemicals in space, and you will right. see so, so, colored... so that's what I'm saying. You, you've you've got all the chemicals yeah. there, well, like the, to, to have your explosion. You've seen what spaceships look like when they're in space and turning on their uh, engines, right? That's what an explosion looks like. You're you're burning a chemical. Yeah. So you're going to get the so same chemical the same burn, burn you get. Yeah. You're going to get. It feels like it should look different though than it does in atmosphere. For well, some reason. It's going to look different because it's going to be clean. Like the atmosphere has a bunch of other crap in it that's all going to contribute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. I always expected things. We should to make some explosions in space and do this experiment. You know? Okay, I'll call Elon. We haven't talked to him in about a week or so. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, he should be able to help us out with that. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, it is hot in here. You got that heat Yeah, I turned up. the heat down. I'm going to so. take my sweater off. Oh, man. I didn't know we were going to be stripping in this episode. Everybody be happy this is not a video episode. Oh, God. Although we could do video episodes. We are set up for that now. Um, So let's talk Christmas presents and toys and stuff that was under the tree that are super awesome. Oh, did you get something super awesome under the tree? Santa leave you something sweet? I got a bunch of cool stuff. Most of it is things that are only going to be interesting to people like me. (laughs) 
like I got a swanky new um, band for my Apple Watch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which uh, which 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 band is that? So this is a. I mean, there's been drama about your band on the uh, on yeah. the podcast, so maybe people so are interested. This is. It looks like the Apple Met- Metal Link bit bracelet. Um, so basically, you know, just a bunch of kind of interlocking. Uh, oh, so it's a metal, metal link. I, I'm a little bit some distance, so it's a little hard. It's, yeah, it's black um, though. It's black. It matches my case really well. And this is not the $600 one that Apple sells. This is the like $70 one that you can buy from Amazon. Right. So for 10% of the cost, mm-hmm. you get the it, basically same thing. Correct. It looks just like the Apple one. It operates in the same fashion as the Apple one and is uh, just several awesome. hundred dollars less. Several hundred dollars less. <laughs> yeah. I'm digging it so far. It's really nice and uh, comfy. I might go throw one more of the uh, links in it because it is a little on the tight side, but I kind of dig that. And, you know, just how you do when you get new watches, you got to try and sort out how the band works. Um, let's see. I got Pelican case so that when we do remote podcasts, I can just load everything up in the nice Pelican case. I've got to spend some time today to figure out how to orient everything in the case so that we now have a mobile studio quick and ready to go. Yeah. Got some new uh, mic stands for tabletops. Yeah. So next time we're sitting at a bar doing a show, we don't have to hold our mics, provided there's only two of us, <laughs> which yeah. is fine. That's yeah. usually how it is. Um, now, one of the things that was under the tree, though, wasn't for me, um, but it's one of those things that if I were a kid, I probably would have been super stoked about it. Um, as a parent slash uncle, I was less than stoked about it. Okay. My nephew got a BB-8 droid. Okay. Now, uh, BB-8 droid is made by the nice folks over at Sphero. How nice are they? Uh, that's where we run into <laughs> problems. Because my, uh, my feeling is that they're a bag of dicks. Uh, but So let me describe what BB-8 is. It's a little uh, sphere um, with a magnetic head that sits on it. I'm pretty sure anybody that's listening to this podcast knows what BB-8 is already. Really? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Uh, the, the uh, BB-8 that you get... He's, if you don't, he's a new driver in Star Wars. Yeah. Fuck off. Go watch it. He's about somewhere between the size of a racquetball and a baseball. Okay. Somewhere in there. And uh, he's like, you know, he makes robot sounds. He rolls around on his own. You can set him into patrol mode. He'll swing around the room, bump into stuff, turn around, go bump into something else. He's got... Uh, oh, you, so he's like a shitty Roomba, basically. Yeah, he just doesn't do any of the vacuuming. Yeah. You can also uh, control him with an iPhone, so or you know any uh, any particular device, and this right. is where we're going to start to get into issues. But you know the controls on were kind of fun. He's got one section that rotates him around, another section that makes him roll. Um, but here's the thing: so BB-8 Droid costs 150 bucks, <laughs> and we uh, he, my uh, my sister-in-law bought him for my nephew. Uh, we got him up on Christmas Day. My little sister actually bought a $50 Android tablet so that Luke, my nephew, could have uh, a device to control BB-8 with, right? Yep. Now, on the uh, Sphero website, that's the company that makes BB-8, they said, if you can download it on your app or on your device, it will work. Okay. So my sister got the um, nice little Android tablet, uh, put the uh, installed the BB-8 software on it, and we ran into problems. We spent about 40 minutes trying to get BB-8 to link up to the uh, tablet. Okay. He wouldn't do it. 
we spent so I went and downloaded the app, put it on my phone. My phone was able to like sync with BB eight, no problem. Everything rolls around. He's, you know, handed to my nephew, let him play with it for a while. Um and started investigating why BB eight won't actually work on this tablet. And it turns out it's because um BB eight is controlled via Bluetooth. But the nice folks over at Sphero decided not to use the standard Bluetooth pairing methodology, you know, where you go into your uh, phone, you hit settings, Bluetooth, select the device, pair, and now you can control it. They have this magic pairing thing that happens in the app. So you start the app up, you wait for the app to load, which takes forever. You watch the little entry, um, you know, dun, 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 and then the Millennium Falcon flying by. Then you wait for the app to load some more, and then you finally get to the section where it pairs. Yep. And when it goes to pair, it tries to use Bluetooth LE to pair. Now, for those of you that may or may not know, Bluetooth LE is the Bluetooth low energy. It's, in theory, a new way of using Bluetooth that consumes less energy on your devices. Um, most of your apps are, or most of your devices are using it these days, like uh, Apple Watches, Fitbits, all that kind of fun stuff. But on the Android tablet, they just didn't implement the Bluetooth LE. So we've now got a tablet and a droid that don't work together. A little, like, nine-year-old boy who can't actually play with his Christmas presents because Sphero made it entirely too fucking difficult to use the damn toy. Right, and he's probably super, like, uh, at this point, like, like, what do you do, right? Like, how do you explain to him, like, hey, here's the technical reason your shit doesn't work, and he's like, yeah, but make it work. Yeah, so I spent... Probably three hours yesterday trying to make it work four hours. Uh, of course, the Sphero website was completely useless as far as help goes. Their how to use the product is a bunch of uh, FCC regulation or regulatory information. That's oh my God, it. That's awesome. Um, you go to their uh, their support forum and it leads you in one of those internet loops. Find out more data here. Okay, that's the page I was just on and it takes me to the page I was just effing on. Thank you, Sphero. So you go look at their forums, or the forums anywhere on the internet. It turns out we are not the only people having this problem. <laughs> There's tons of people out there that are having problems getting it to sync. Tons of people that are having problems getting it to stay sunk and working. Other problems where the firmware updates are failing. Like It feels to me like uh, if you're a major comp- corporation, like you know, or a major product like Star Wars, yeah. maybe you should kind of make sure that the product that you're putting your name on isn't a steaming pile of crap before you try and sell it to all of the people that are going to buy your shit right after your movie comes out. Yeah, yeah, that seems like a good... Generally, generally something you want to shoot for is is not... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when BB-8 works, though, it is pretty neat. Uh, my nephew was, like, he spent about an hour and a half playing with my phone, like, controlling BB-8 with my phone, and... Uh, I'm also not entirely positive that Bluetooth LE is worth all the hoopla because after about an hour, my phone was out of batteries. So you wonder what, like, how fast it would have gone out with without Bluetooth LE if it would have been 50 minutes, and so you save 10%, but now you're dealing with all this bullshit of compatibility, right? Yeah, and but by the way, the other uh, trickle-down effect here is, you know, my parents, I think they, I think them and my sister bought the tablet, uh, so they're interested to figure out why things don't work. Uh, Neither of my parents are what you'd call technology savvy. So trying to explain to my mother how Bluetooth LE doesn't work on this tablet for reasons that I can't actually determine and 
you know, it says we can use it, but we can't. Right. It's like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> like, just trust me, it's not going to work. Yeah, it's like, I, I, I do this for a living, Mom. This is not going to work. We have options that we will go try. Like, uh, this morning I went down to Fry's because Fry's was closed yesterday. Um, but there's a, a little Bluetooth or a USB port on his uh, on the device that he got. So I went down to Fry's, got a you know micro USB to female USB, and then plugged in a Bluetooth LE adapter, praying that that uh, port would actually recognize it and use it. Uh, that didn't exactly work out. As near as I can tell, it's a USB shaped charging port, and that's it. Yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So we're currently trying to scrounge up devices that will work with Bluetooth LE, that will work with uh, the BB-8. Uh, I'm hoping we can find something soon because otherwise, that's just a steaming pile of uselessness. Yeah, yeah. The worst huh. part is, is it's a um, two-hour problem because he's a nine-year-old boy, so he's going to play with it for about two hours. Then he's going to lose the charger to it, right? And it's never going to be charged again, and we never have to worry about it. I've already put more time into fixing the problem than he's probably going to get in playtime. Most likely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. did your kids get anything uh, exciting, or did you get anything exciting under the tree that you were, like, super stoked about? Not not really. I mean, I think, I think at this point, um, the Christmas for me is that, you know, you get a couple shirts and stuff. Because for the most part... If I have, if I want, want something, I've already got it. Um, so, so that's it. Uh, I did, I did buy uh, Amy a. Um, well, you were with me. Yeah, I was. But uh, we'll, we'll tell the. I was shopping for some jewelry for her for Christmas, and I, Amy's his wife. For anybody that yeah, she uh, she aware. had something specific that she wanted, and the specific item that she wanted wasn't really available any longer. And so I'm like, so what? So, so I just called her. This was like a couple days before Christmas. What? What if you? If you wanted uh, something, she was like, "Oh, I really want one of those back massagers that you put on, like, on a chair." Blah blah. blah. I think she's looking for. She was looking for one of those little crappy, just vibrating things that you sit behind your chair. Right. Um, so your wife but, asked for a vibrator for Christmas. Basically, yeah, back mm-hmm. vibrator. Uh, right. But as she back. was saying it, we were in the mall walking around, and we're walking past the Brookstone store, and I'm like, "Well, yeah, she, here she, we are. She wants. She wants some some sort of massage. Massage. Let me look in there." Uh, well, I was looking around at the uh, relatively cheap, you know, one to two hundred dollar massage back type things. Uh, you found um, well, the lounge chair recliner, yeah. uber expensive yeah. massage chairs. So yeah. uh, I, I'm sure we've all seen the uh, uh, massage chairs at Brookstone or in like uh, Sky Mall. Where basically it's a big recliner that you sit in, and it uh, like the one I was in was actually a cocoon style thing. Yeah, I'd, where, I'd seen it before, but it just looks like a lazy boy that yeah. leans back and has some massages. This was Full this enveloped on, you. Yeah, like I sat down in it, had to take my shoes off because it wraps around your calves and your feet. And like your arms, your arms, your actual, into arms the, actually went into the arms. Yeah, the like, armrest actually has pockets where you stick your arms in. It has these uh, le- like levering pieces that come in over your shoulders, and like it uh, presses into your arms, on your legs. It shifts you around in the chair, like the chair moves on its own, and then it jams finger or like different things into your back as it's pressing down on your shoulders. 
I, I had never actually considered buying a massage chair. Yeah. Until I'm laying in that thing, and I'm like, ooh, I want one of these for home. <laughs> Although this it, is amazing. It did slow you down a little bit when you're like, how much is this? By the way, the, the price that it was was on sale. It was like 20 to 30% off. Yeah, and it was like five grand. <laughs> it was, yeah, the sale price was five grand, which is a little hard to justify. Well, not really when you think about it. So, like, if you think about how many massages you want a year right right wouldn't it be nice to be able to get a massage every day or two yeah, yeah sure that'd, be, that'd nice. be great massages cost somewhere between 60 and 100 and some odd bucks for an hour right yeah yeah so at five thousand dollars you're really only talking about 50 massages yeah something that's like, like that. one yeah. a week yeah yeah so that pays itself back way faster than anything else you're ever gonna buy <laughs> yes it does but eh. Yeah. You're suggesting the capital investment and then placing it somewhere is uh, going to be the problem area? A, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. And and, and honestly, the um sure hundred dollar model that I bought, which you just said on a chair, uh, was actually pretty good. It, oh yeah, did you get a chance to use it? Oh since, yeah, I used uh, the shit out of it yesterday. <laughs> Massages the shit out like but, it was honestly it's like it's like got the like hard knobs that mm-hmm. rotate and go up and down. Yep. And you can actually feel I was like, Oh wait, I didn't know that part of my back was really sore, but oh my god, now it's like you you could feel it like yeah, hitting everything. Th- that was what I was impressed about on the uh, on the massage chair I was sitting in. Is I I think uh, when I think massage chair, I think about the recliner we had in the uh, early '80s that was like made out of uh, genuine naga hide, right? And the whole chair went right and it, shook. Just, all they've got is literally they've got a one giant motor with a uh, with something off balance in it to just yeah. shake the whole thing. And then it got hot too, hot enough to like melt the naga hide style hot, right? Like, Wait, you actually had one of these? Yeah. Wait, you, your parents bought one? We got it from like uh, my dad had a friend who would buy every new thing that came out. Okay. So he ended up with a lot of surplus. Right. And like we bought it from them, I think. Okay. For like a greatly reduced rate. Right. Right. So, uh, so you'd sit at this thing when you were a kid and probably think it was the greatest thing ever. Well, yeah. Like as a kid, I decided I didn't like the uh, shaky bits because like it would shake me off the chair. (laughs) Okay. Uh, but, but the heat was nice, but it actually did, did it actually like it had a heater, like heated seat. Yeah, it was a heated seat, but it actually melted. Well, so I I don't know if it melted officially, but that section where the heating was started to crack and, um, like not blister, but okay. crack and be uh, right. It, way, it way wore less. out too fast. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it could be that, or it could be somebody in my family has like sandpaper back. <laughs> yeah, or that. Yeah, yeah. I don't seems, know. Seems more likely that the heat wore out the naga hide. A little, I would a expect because yeah. you know that that genuine naga hide they made in the eighties probably mm-hmm. wasn't to the high quality that our naga hide is today. Uh, genuine naga hide. So that's genuine vinyl. Yes, that yeah. is that is uh, vinyl with cow shapes on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the uh, if you're ever in Brookstone, stop and try the massage chairs because those are awesome. Like I, I haven't stopped thinking about it since then. Yeah, I, I've convinced my wife it's okay for me to buy one. Hmm. You've convinced your wife that it's okay for you to buy one, or you've told your wife that you want to buy one. What's the difference? Well, that she's convinced that it's okay. Um, I'm still not following. Right. Uh, so if you go buy one next week, she's gonna be like, "Oh yeah, that was a good purchase." Well, no. Before she tries it. No. So she's not convinced. We don't have anywhere to put it right now. <laughs> After the chair... Yeah, like empty rooms upstairs, I think, uh, don't no, you? they've all gotten full of crap. Oh, okay. Huh. Uh, somehow I ended up with a surplus of beds. Huh. So you you put it out here, even. 
Yeah, that's what I told her. She's like, well, we don't have anything like that. I got a garage. <laughs> She's like, you'd go out to the garage to sit in your massage chair at night. I'm like, yeah, just don't wake me up till morning. <laughs> she, she didn't seem to think that was a win. Uh, but hey, you know, what are you going to do? Um, but you were saying, so the one that you got for Amy that sits in the chair, does it yeah. do the heating as well? Yeah, it's got a little bit nice. of heating action to it. Uh, yeah, it rubs you. It's got a little thing, one section that goes on your neck, mm-hmm. and it even like, you push the button and it changes height oh. for different, different elevation people. Very nice. Um, and then it does your whole back. And then it's actually even got like um, these like balloons on the side of it. I guess that's the best way I can think of it. Mm-hmm. But like, they like expand, and so it feels like it's pushing in on your your uh, oh. sort of your side. So it gives you yeah, sort yeah. of that that sort of pressure. Like imagine somebody had their hands on your sides, weren't pushing right. in. Uh, it does that, and then it even like alternates it, so it, it feels like somebody's pushing uh, like hmm. on your hip, and then your your opposite side, and then switches to the uh, the elevation on it. Very nice. Yeah. So it, it actually, it, I was pretty impressed with it actually in use. Uh, hmm. Yeah. I mean, I tried it in the store also. And I was yeah. Like, oh, yeah. This, this seems pretty all right. Yeah. I may have to get me one of those. Let me know how it is uh, long term, like after a month or so. Okay. If anybody's still using it. Yeah. Or if it's just, it's or if it's just sitting in a corner. Yeah. If it's just sitting in a corner, can I borrow it in about a month? Well, and that would be the problem with the <laughs> massage chair. What if you bought the massage chair for $5,000 and then after six months, you're never using it again? Oh, I just turned around and sell it on Craigslist. Maybe you can get one for less than five grand on Craigslist. So did there's you, some did you already things. There's try some that thing, search? Uh, no, actually, let's look right now. Uh, there's some things that I feel a little weird buying on Craigslist, though. Yeah, like and furniture. Think, uh, well, not some like I don't know. Like a massage chair doesn't feel like a Craigslist purchase to me. Like, but are I, you worried that somebody's goo is going to be on it? Mostly. I, I mean, kind of see that. I, I know people are. Uh, a lot of people use Craigslist for a lot of things. Oh, Seattle Health and Beauty, Shiatsu Massage Pillow, 35 bucks. Uh, it doesn't look like there's any on Craigslist. Hmm, let's see here. Yeah, I got, I got nothing back yet either. eBay has some, and that's definitely not something I'm going to do. Oh, wait a minute. This one's sweet. Wow, it's too grand, though. This looks like maybe the precursor to the one that your parents had. It's like a it's like a Chase Lounge yeah. chair. Uh, they're they're selling it's it's they've got it out in the yard is where they took the picture and they've got shitty yard. So uh, I'm gonna. It need looks you like to it's s- made out of maybe red velvet. You are gonna have to send me that link so I can post it in the yeah. show notes. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm sending it to you right now. This is awesome. So it's a vintage massage chair for two grand. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure why it's so expensive either. I mean, it it almost looks like sort of cool retro style to it but um wow this is mid-century vintage burnt orange lounge massage chair for sale so massage is fully functional and chair is in pristine condition contour lounge chair very rare addition to your home literally can't find it yeah i know you can't find it anywhere you fucking dummy uh uh wow and where where are they at it looks like uh wow they're in uh they're oh wow they're up in like uh off stoneway in north seattle Let's, look, let's see the other pictures. The one picture's... Oh, wow. They've got, like, one of the old original ads for it they found. It's got, like, I, a Bob Dobbs-looking dude sitting in the chair. Hold on. My images didn't come through. The the thing that I love about Craigslist... Wow. I can't believe they're selling it for two grand, though. That feels... Oh, that is tight. Right? I can't believe somebody hasn't just snapped that up already. I know. I. This definitely feels like a 70s purchase. 
Yeah, they're saying mid-century, but but when you look at some of the ads, the ads look like 50s. Uh, let's see. Contour Chair Co., St. Louis, Missouri. Let's see if I can read a date on this. Nope. Yeah, um, I don't know that I would pay two grand for that. No, I don't think I would either. I mean, the orange is nice, and it totally goes with my decor. But, uh, yeah, not so much. All right. Are you ready to talk data sovereignty? Sure. Oh, wait. Here's one. Of, hang on a minute. Lake Forest Park has one that looks like a uh, one of the ones that you were finding in um, Brookstone for 2500 bucks. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's a year and a half old. Very low usage. Excellent condition. It's just too large for my condo. I just purchased it and moved into. And here's the details. It's the Infinity IT8800. It's arguably one of the greatest chairs on the market. This innovative powerhouse machine, the Infinity IT8800. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It originally sold for $62.95. And it's only two grand? This guy, yeah. Uh, $2,500. But I bet, you could, I bet you could talk them down to two grand, right? Uh, probably not this month. Uh, this is one of those expensive months where everybody wants to sell their shit for as much as they can. That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, it depends on how many how many offers they're getting on it. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only one I see in here that looks like that same level of massage. All the other ones look like crap. Oh, there's an actual massage chair. Like if you're at the airport and the guy gives you a massage, I've got one of those. Oh, yeah, here's, that here's, needs a person with it to make it worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a slightly lesser. Model. It doesn't have the full arms on it for uh, four, but it has the legs for uh, fourteen hundred. Well, I'm not settling it, but if I were to get one, I'd get the big, good one. Yeah, yeah. that way you don't just try and upgrade in a year and a half, right? That's a good point. Yeah, but it looks like it looks like you could maybe find one used for twenty five. Oh, here's here's a couple more. The do you suppose there's a factory seconds market? The Dreamweave massage chair. There's Sequamie area for uh, twenty two hundred. So you know that's that's getting down a little bit. It looks the same, same sort of deal. I think it's got the arms in there. Yeah. Oh, and uh, moving cross country, they want to sell, so they're they're probably motivated. I bet you get it for fifteen. There's a good chance. Yeah. Like, you, yeah. you can do pretty well on Craigslist. Huh. I didn't even think about that. All right. So data sovereignty. Now, do you want to take a minute to explain what data sovereignty is to the listeners? I, I'll take a stab at it. You can go ahead and correct me where I'm wrong. The idea of data sovereignty, I think, has come up. Uh, I think it's generally, this is a response to our government, the NSA's mm, excessive probing of data, right? So gathering of all the data to try and find, you know, in, in the, with the cause of trying to find terrorisms uh, and, and that, you know, Edward Snowden sort of uh, leaked all the, the crap out a few years ago. Um, in response to that, several governments um, across the across the globe are starting to put laws in effect uh, with to the effect of data sovereignty that says any of their citizens personal information uh, needs to be stored in their country mm-hmm. so if, if I'm a um, internet company and I want to gather your your personal information or store your personal information yep. to, to make my service work whatever it is that I'm doing is a service that I'm providing so let's let's make this even more um, like tangible to the users. Okay. So a lot of folks are familiar with Amazon or Gmail. Yep. Right? Yep. So let's say your your country decides to imp, uh, impose some data sovereignty laws. That then says that if you're Gmail, yep. all of your emails and all of your apps and all of the things that you're interacting in Google with 
need to reside in servers in Germany. That's that. That would be. I think. I think that's. I think there's some a scale depending on what the laws define. Right. Some laws may say that. Some may say your user information of of your name and address need to be stored in Germany, but your actual emails could be somewhere else. Uh, I, right, but I, that's the I don't think it's really clear. But right? that's the interesting thing about laws, right? <laughs> They're uh, up for interpretation. Laws are up for interpretation. Laws don't require anybody to necessarily understand what they're asking. Right. Well, right. Like if you want to say all of your personal PII personal. So let's define uh, PII, which is a, which is a common personally uh, identifiable information. Right. Which would mean what? It's basically any way that we can track a particular user or identify a particular user with their information. Right. So things that count um, your email address when it's with your uh, uh, address or your phone number right. or and I think the, I think it's key is that it's it's when it's with right? right. Just your email address isn't enough. Correct. Just your first name isn't enough. Correct. Even just your full even your full name isn't enough because there might be multiple well there probably Zach aren't multiple Zachemis, but there are multiple Matt Bonds. I right. know because I get their Gmail email and like there's a whole the matrix of this information now counts as personally identifiable because we have enough bits of information to reason about you as a particular person. Correct. Now, that's distinct from we have a bunch of metadata about a group of people and we know right. these people all are doing the same thing. Right. Even that you're an individual and you're 20 some years old, that doesn't count as PII or right. you live in Washington state, that's not PII. So, if a if a government, now we we all know that governments don't do a great job of understanding technology. They don't usually do a great job of legislating technology. Nope. And so now governments are actually stepping in and saying, uh, now this isn't explicitly technology, but we believe that our our citizens' information is theirs and right. that they should have a reasonable expectation of how their data is being treated. Well, it's... it's and as it a result, becomes really difficult because you, when, you, when you look at it from a technology company standpoint, right? If I'm... Um, if I'm if I if I'm doing some new startup, and for yep. some reason, as a part of my startup, I need to store individuals PII. Now, if I'm starting up here in the U.S., I go, all right, well, I'll run out of some U.S. data center. It's not a problem, mm -hmm. right? But as you expand out, and you say, hey, I want to I want to run my stuff in Germany. I want I want to have German customers yep. or customers in the U.K. or Japan. Do I now need to? Build a data. Do I need to build out a cluster of whatever it is that I'm building in Germany, mm -hmm. in Japan, in the UK? Do I need to do that everywhere? Because well, think about the what that means for a startup, right? Like even you're, you're a small startup. You might be five or ten people, and you're trying to you're trying to build the software you need. You're trying to service your customers in the way they need to be serviced. Yep. And now you have a bunch of government or regulations that are dictating to you where you can host, how long you can retain data, yep. and increasing the volume of features that you need to go code yeah. to ensure that you're in compliance with the government, which well, will necessarily translate to um, slower spreading of your applications, right? Like, right. If, well, uh, on top of that, if I'm, you know, hey, if I'm building a new startup now, I'm most not likely not building it on my own servers. I'm most likely building it in the cloud. Correct. So you're going to be hosting with... AWS, Google, or Microsoft. Right, probably AWS. Let's just let's just go with AWS because they're eighty percent of the market. That's yep. where I'm most likely going to be. Um, and now I'm saying, hey, I want to store my my uh, my data in S3. I just got some tables. I, I put my my customer data in, and well, uh, I mean, where's S3 data stored at? Like, um, 
I mean, sure, okay, I've got, I can maybe specify a region, mm-hmm. but wait, now I want Europe, but but I get Europe, I don't get Germany, I don't get the UK, and well, what the fuck, I, I don't even have control over that as, as wanting to go in the cloud. So now, I've built my service in the cloud, do I need to have my PII on separate data center servers specific for Germany? Like, what... I, yeah, and then it, do I need to do that for as this apparently looking at TechCrunch today? I was I was reading that. So we've been dealing with it a little bit in our, our own um, real life jobs. Yep, um, the conversations come up, but uh, there's an article in TechCrunch. So maybe think about this before we do the podcast. And and they were saying there's currently so Germany's sort of ahead of the the, the curve on this. They're pushing the first legislation, mm-hmm. but there is over 20 countries now yep. uh, pushing through similar legislation, which means. I don't know what. Well, as uh, as a so, I, you know. I have some experience not directly in data sovereignty, but uh, for a while I owned um, family safety yeah. uh, services. Yep. Now, what the family safety services and uh, Windows do is they ensure that your children aren't seeing the wrong kinds of data or data that you haven't said they can see. So they're not watching rated R movies. They're not getting uh, games with a certain rating. Yep. Right now. You, you play video games all the time. I'm sure you're familiar with the ratings on video games, right? Yeah, the ESRB. Well, each country actually has their own. So <laughs> exactly. within the U.S., there's ESRB. With the, actually, when we published Uni, mm-hmm. um, I published it as a kid's game within like the Windows yep. Phone Store. And the uh, I actually didn't put any ratings because each different country that has yep. a ratings board, you need to get a certificate and upload that certificate and say that you're rated for Korea or Australia yep. or Germany or the U.S. And, and in the, fuck that. That's a bunch of work. I'm just going to say it's good enough for kids. Yeah. In, in the uh, family safety services that, we, that I owned, uh, we had a lot of lawyers involved to make sure that we knew what we needed to do for each individual country and that we were uh, keeping an eye on those countries as their laws change. Because that's yeah. the other thing about laws, right? They're not static. You don't just set them once and then come back 200 years later. Yeah. They change, they shift, they move. So we had like a full team of folks just focusing in on what are the requirements in all of the different countries. Are we complying to them? Which ones are we missing? How are we going to remediate that? What do we need to push to the software to make that happen? Right. And which, now, which we're, one we're, you, that's, I imagine the same thing is going to apply in the data sovereignty case. Look, and, and here's the thing. It's, it's hard enough for... Look, in the case that you're, you're saying, that was working for Microsoft. Yep. Microsoft clearly has a, an entire legal team. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of people that they can put... Time and resources they can put that. When you look at us doing it as the tech garage or film yep. and alley um, and going, hey, we're, 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 we're two guys. We want to publish a game. And, uh, well... Shit, it, it took me long enough to code the goddamn game, uh-uh. let alone figure out the ratings board and laws for every country. You just you can't scale. And, and I think on the plus side for the game on the data sovereignty stuff, we well, don't have to worry about that much because that's really Apple and Google and Microsoft's correct. problems so, for yeah, us because yeah, we're, we're not, posting to all of their leaderboards. <laughs> exactly. We're not we're not gathering any PAI. We're not storing anything. We're not storing right. any web services. But the ratings board is kind of the same. Um, exactly. It's like the, it's the in which case you just analog. don't do it, right? You just yeah. go. Well, we can't apply to ratings board because we don't have the resources to do that. Yeah. Sorry, Korea. You're never going to get to see Uni. Basically, yeah, yeah. Uh, not that they would see it anyway. But although, who knows? Maybe the Koreans would be like, "Oh my God, a searching! This is the greatest thing ever!" And we'd be huge in Korea. But we'll never know. Uh, uh, that would be awesome. I've never been to Korea. I could uh, be huge in either. Korea. Y- you could be yeah. literally. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, 
How do you think that? Uh, so, so we've talked a little bit about the impacts to the small-time developer or the small indie startup. Yeah. What do you suppose the impact's going to be to say somebody like AWS, who I, has now going to have to determine some kind of strategy for building out micro stamps in all of the well, appropriate I mean, regions? Look, you look at you look at it's it's clearly for the big companies like Amazon, Microsoft, Google. It's going to be a much bigger problem because they're already doing business in mm-hmm. all of these countries, so they actually have to solve the problem, right? Amazon has all of their customer information. Yep. Username address so they can ship them goods. Yep. Stored somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. So they're actually going to have to solve this problem for themselves. So um something else that I was just thinking about that's actually kind of neat is well, neat. Uh if you look at Google, right? Google's made yeah. fat stacks of money by knowing what their customers are doing what their customers are searching for, what their customers might want to buy yeah. and then surfacing that kind of data to yep. them. Yep. Yep. How much of that do you suppose will get included in data sovereignty? Well, that's what I like, wonder. Are we going to have to start having scoped customers to where these, this is information, this is metadata about the customer stores that can only stay in Germany, for instance? Right. Well, you wonder if there will become a... Um, like What I could see is Amazon, as a part of AWS, providing a... Um, PII repository, right? So, so they provide the infrastructure because, hey, and again, this is just following. I'm, I, again, right, this is I don't work for Amazon. On. I've never worked for Amazon. I'm just, I'm just making a freaking guess here. Um, <laughs> That's why I'm being very quiet over here. <laughs> yeah. um, if, if they have to do this anyway, and, and, and you look at like the model that Amazon's gone with over the past of like, hey, we need the cloud to run our retail business. Let's sell some of that out to other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, hypothetically, they could build a PII store where they have data centers in each of these sort of uh, sovereign regions that need require it, where they store their stuff. Um, and hey, let's just shard off little bits and, and allow customers to put a database in each of these regions. So they could, you could basically have sort of a... Here's my customer database, and if it specifies where the customer is at, then then they actually live on a data server in that region, I guess, to, to meet the requirements. But it almost feels like something that one of the big companies is going to have to provide to meet those for all the small developers to jump on. So how long do you suppose until it's not individual countries that are interested in keeping their data, but uh, regions? Like, you mentioned the UK a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, That's actually a country. Great Britain. <laughs> Hold on, hold on. I'm trying to remember which order this goes. I've I seen can't the map. remember either. I, um, the United yeah. Kingdom is not a country. Uh, UK. Correct. It's, That's it's, a region. I, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't know how the shit that stuff works. So uh, there's actually, if you just search um, UK Cause, cause Ireland, CGP Grey, yeah. th- he'll explain it all to you. There's okay. a YouTube video with pictures and whatnot. That explains like... The difference between Great Britain, the UK, Wales, Ireland, everything. Okay. Sure, we'll put a, we'll put links. I'll, in the I'll show take a notes. look. I, I did look this up a year or so ago because uh, I wasn't clear on it, and I can't remember what I found. Yeah, it's a it's a YouTube sensation. Okay, it's, uh, fairly easy to find. All right, cool. But uh, yeah, um, but like if you think about it, th- so let's ignore them. Say, <laughs> th- yeah, okay. So ignoring them, but like, what if they decide, hey, all European but, Union information? But really, the same thing. Here. It could it could happen. Um, I mean, even within the United States, um, we're a single nation but we have individual states each of the state has their own individual laws what if you know washington state passed a law that says all you know washington state residents pii needs to live in washington state i'd have to move to oregon (laughs) (laughs) um like 
A, that's not that hard because, yeah, there's a bunch of data centers in Washington. But, you know, Wyoming passes. Well, okay, hang on. There's some data centers in Wyoming. Idaho passes that. And then all of a sudden, like... Idaho's pooched. Yeah. Um, well, the other thing, if you think about it, too, is... Look, the funny thing is, by the way, as I was going through thinking, I, w- I kept coming up with names of states that I'm like, yeah, let me go with Iowa. Wait, never mind. Uh, they've got a data center. <laughs> Yeah, there's data centers everywhere these days. I mean, I'm sure there's some in Idaho we're just not aware of. Right. But there's a... People don't ever realize this, but the cloud runs on data centers. Yep. Right? Um, There is a physical underlying infrastructure to power the cloud. It's not just like there's this magical thing floating in the internet. Yeah. But there are servers that that host the cloud. And once you start looking at trying to make sure that your services run in the proper way... Uh, and that they're using like using those resources, you start to run into constraints. Like, uh, uh, what Japan has a ton of data centers, but very, very, very little land. So if Japan decides to turn on a hey data sovereignty for Japan, they might have to actually slag a part of the city so that they can put another data center in there to you know be used for that kind of stuff. That's a weird hypothetical. I I know what you're saying. I don't think it's actually... I don't think they have that little land. Right. (laughs) But but I'm saying there's there's countries out there that could be looking at, uh, you know, creating some data sovereignty laws that may not already have data centers. Yes. So that says that... The Maldives are somewhere maybe a better example than Japan. Sure. Jamaica. I don't know. Uh, But it, it could be one of those things where they're looking at this as maybe a means to drum up some local business. Yeah. Because, you know, they're going to have these data centers they're going to have to be built they're going to have to be racked and stacked they're right, going to have to be serviced they're right. you know major construction power blah 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 blah, blah. internet yeah. like all of the physical aspects that go into it i mean we could just end up with a proliferation in data centers we should yeah. totally invest in data center hmm. is that on the stock market data center data center oh, yeah. we should look into data center on the stock market okay. yes um don't just don't anybody else because like we're, we're going to be right. internet billionaires from alternately you could just stock. invest in amazon who or, runs yes. a bunch of data centers and apparently their stock's done fairly well over the last couple of years. Uh, yeah, it's been doing okay. I hear I hear like, they've yeah. I'm gonna yeah. have to look it up, but I hear they're they're a little higher than they were five years ago, a little bit. Yeah, I think the last time I was looking in the last three years, Amazon had more than doubled. Yeah, that's that's pretty uh, good. Y- you know, and I mean if if you like that sort of thing, if you want your stock to go up, I Even suppose. the last few years, I mean Microsoft's gone from I mean, it was historically around twenty to 31 the first several years I was working there and the last two years it's been hovering in the mid 50s well the last year has been hovering in the mid 50s so that's getting close to double and I think that's mostly on the you know according to the internets and and people saying stuff mostly based on the cloud business which yeah if you look at Amazon they went from oh I want to say about around 2000 they went up to about 100 bucks and then by 2000 and 10 or 11 they were at about 200 bucks and at 2015 they're now like 660 yeah that's pretty good that's a pretty good rate of increase yeah um for the investors the up and to the right definitely works on this graph yeah you want that hockey stick kind of shape on your on your stock charts that you've invested in yeah so uh the thing is is amazon keeps going up it will always go up so buy now don't miss out no is that that's how stocks work right they always go up and to the right (sighs) Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what they all do all the time, no all matter time. what. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah. You're, you're sure to win on that. Yeah, but no, I, I do think you're right. This is going to be an interesting challenge for the larger companies and service providers to solve because it does f- for a small 
time company like ours or small businesses, a lot of us just aren't going to be able to meet the demand unless somebody comes up with a new easy, cheap way for. Yeah, like, there's. For us I mean, to literally, if we had, if we, if we came up with some new service that we want to run that required us to store PII, um, yeah, we'd be able to sort of do that right now because data sovereignty laws aren't in effect yet, other than Germany. We just go like, yeah, we don't have any German customers. Fuck you. Um, but I do believe that. In the next couple of years, as these laws come into effect, us as a small business, we'd be like, well, we can't technologically solve this, so Mm -hmm. I guess we just have U.S. customers. Although we could, we could start a new business to provide in-country PII stores that people could use. That's what I just said Amazon's going to do. Right, right. But we should do it before them. Oh, right. We'll start a startup, and then they buy (laughs) us out, and then we make fat stacks of cash. Wait. uh, We're going to have to edit this part out, (laughs) because it's a great (laughs) idea. Actually, I do think I think somebody's going to solve that over the next. Uh, yeah, I, I would somebody expect. will provide that as a service. Whether it's a small startup will start doing it, and if they do, they'll get bought out by Amazon or Google or somebody. Yeah. Um, but I, I I see that as it just feels like a as these laws are getting created, there's a there's a potential market there now for somebody to solve, and it's a hard pro- it's it will be a hard problem to solve because you'll need a lot yeah. of resources of hey I'm going to have to be able to spin this up in all of these data centers and uh, have a virtual cloud in. <sighs> That's sort Everywhere. of a, a weird sort of virtual cloud that's localized. Uh, that that you know, all the, all the data well, stores are localized. That's one of those things that is actually super dependent on the laws too, right? Like, yeah. it might be that all of their users need to be encrypted into their own database that only can be accessed from that region. Yeah. It, right. I mean, that it may, would make it it may even, not even be where it physically resides. Yeah. And it may be the, it, maybe what we actually do need is a, a group of some, uh, some kind that actually pulls together and says, hey, here's what we think is actually reasonable for data sovereignty. Yeah. And starts pushing that agenda to all of the assorted governments. Right. Like a standardization, like the internet like standards IEEE community. Like IEEE or... Yeah. Uh, they, sh- um, they should be pushing for that. Yeah. Uh, by the way, IEEE, uh, I believe that was them. I we have to check this out. Um uh, oh, shit. Hang on. Let me uh, so what do you talk think? for a second. I'm going to look something up that I saw the <laughs> other day that I actually thought was kind of funny as an internet standard. Okay. Um, is this the one with uh, using carrier pigeons t- for TCP/IP packets? No, no, no. no. Give me, okay. give me two seconds here. Two to, seconds. Uh, you want to just have Maybe I need slightly more than two seconds. Okay, uh, fine. We'll give you more than two seconds. So um, I'm assuming what he's looking up right now is one of the RFCs or one of the. Uh, um, super nerdy descriptors that says, "Hey, here is the absolute and utter minutia on how Bluetooth LE is supposed uh, to work." This is actually super minutia. Use. They've defined a new response code. Oh wait, uh, a new response code like for H- for the HTTP stack? Yes. Oh boy, I'm Sh- waiting with bated breath. Uh, how how could you? How did that not come up in the car? Because you know that new response code is pre- now. For those of you playing at home, let me describe what the response codes are. Basically, every time you go to a website, that website responds to your browser with some kind of a code. In the event that you were successful, you get back a 200. In the event that you're going to get a redirect, you're going to get a 301. In the event that your server is unavailable and having some issues, it returns a 500. Uh, There's also a number of other ones you can use that are individual use to you. There's also uh, dots like 401.1, 401.3 depending on whether you're looking at so, uh, authentication or authorization issues. I'm, I'm looking for the, the specifics of this um, because I, I, I wanted to be clear on it. And I don't see the guy who I thought had posted it on, on Facebook. I didn't, didn't see his, his code. 
but so maybe this isn't really true. But I'd heard that they had created a new response code specifically for um, content that had been censored. So if you reached out and you got a no, you can't get this content because it's censored. Uh, you would get a a four fifty one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how long he's been dicking with his phone over there, but like literally I searched for it while he was talking. Um, unavailable for legal reasons is an error status of the HTTP protocol to be displayed when the user requests an illegal resource, such as a web page censored by a government. The number 451 is a reference to Ray Bradbury's 1953 dystopian novel, Fahrenheit 451, in which books are outlawed. 451 could be described as a more descriptive variant of 403 forbidden. Yeah. I found it funny more than anything that they actually like went ahead and put the 451 in there as the official, hey, this, this content's censored. This is the official response code to give for that. Hmm. It looks like it was uh, formally proposed in 2013 by Tim Bray following earlier informal proposals by Chris Applegate in 2008 and Terrence Eden in 2012. Well, uh, the- it was approved by the IESG on December 18th of 2015. So, yeah, we yeah. have a brand new response code. Yeah. The um, the great thing is that it actually fits into the uh, response code um, sort of uh, num- numerical scheme, which is 200 responses are okay. Within yep. the, anything from 200 to 299 means it's you got the response yep. you were expecting of some sort. Uh, 300 to... 399 is some sort of redirect of you you went somewhere else. Uh, 400 to 499 is some sort of the website is there, but you didn't do something right and it's throwing some sort of error. Or maybe the website's doing It's usually some client-side error. Exactly. And then 500 classes are uh, server-side errors. Yeah. I know you knew that. I wasn't quizzing you. I know. I was helping you because <laughs> your description of the 400 client-side stuff was getting a bit dodgy and I was like, oh my God, what do you do? Ah, whatever, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> So I think that actually wraps it. Actually, hold on before we uh, before we sign off. Are right. you going to be using this new response code just for fun? I I don't have any reason to. I don't have any content that's potentially illegal anywhere. Ah, we should do that. <laughs> make some potentially illegal content. No, just make a route in one of our web pages that only returns a four fifty one. Ah, right, right. Preferably with a link to the book. Uh, I was. That's, I'm wondering if like. You're thinking like you would put like um, a friendly error page for 451 responses. No, no, no. I'm thinking like you'd have like the tech garage slash kitty porn, and then just respond back 451. I, I think we should probably not do that. I'm, that I'm it doesn't seem like a great idea. I'm trying to think of something else that would be illegal. Like you know, like there wouldn't be any actual kitty porn. That's wrong. Right. That's horrible. Be the message to say, but like you know, what else would? I'm sure. What other could... internet content is illegal? Uh, I don't know. I'm sure something is. Ooh, ooh. Let's find something on um, the internet. Say, what is illegal content? What's illegal content in, yeah, yeah. in, in the internet? The, the Google will tell us. You could have uh, the tech garage slash China slash Chinese protests or something like that. <laughs> like, or, you know. Or book reviews. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah. All right. I think that does it for well, us today. Tom Sawyer? Yes. Uh, but when Tom that Sawyer. page starts, we're going to have to have the song start. Oh, oh, that's, yeah. Ooh, could we have the page just be like the Missile song? Yeah, no, 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 like Rush's Tom Sawyer playing in the background, but you actually get like a 451 web page. Yeah, that'd work. Okay. God, I hate Rush. Yeah, me too. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and uh, we will see you next time. 